0: The Insurance and Injury Law Show, a couple different ways to reach Savannah today, 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We have a lot of ground to cover on this show, my friend. Uh, We'll get to the Injury Calculator here in just a bit, a very handy tool for you. And as always, we get to the week that was. you got a couple cases happening.
1: Absolutely. And, John, uh, I'm going to start off with another website that we've talked about before. Uh, And I'm going to start with it because it's a really good website for people who are on a disability to Mm -hmm. go and ask their questions for free. And uh, and when you submit that question, I get that question and I respond to it. Uh, And the website is www.mydisabilityquestions.com. So let me uh, read you a question that was submitted this past week that I answered. So if you go to that website, you'll see uh, the, the question posted and the names of the individuals who sure. posted them. Uh, so so the, they write, uh, hello, I'm looking for the right path to address my wife's disability and its effects to possibly continue working. My wife is 53 years old and was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis over four f- uh, 15 years ago and is in constant pain. My wife has worked at her present company for almost 10 years. Her RA affliction is now causing her much pain, and due to the physical nature of her job, she's constantly damaging her joints, causing her to miss work. We are concerned that she will be terminated soon due to her sick days Mm -hmm. caused by this illness. I'm writing this inquiry to determine whether there are any strategies that my wife can take in preparation for this inevitable termination, such as STD, which is short-term disability, LTD, which is long-term disability, or even a government disability subsidy. Also, does my wife have any rights against termination when it comes to her disability? My wife and I look forward to any advice that can be provided to help her situation, regards, uh, and they sign off, Barry and Jessica. And I I, I responded to Barry and Jessica, and I said as follows. Number one, if you are uh, on disability or you have a disability (coughs) that's preventing you from working and you have access to short-term disability or long-term disability through your workplace, or, or even independently, if you were uh, uh, clever enough to get that kind of coverage before you got sick, certainly access that. Go ahead and apply for that. Submit all the necessary medical documents and apply for it. At the same time, if your injury is severe and it's prolonged, you can apply to CPP disability. Again, even if you get denied by CPP, you have a window to appeal the decision. So go ahead and do that as well. And of course, there is the other part of the question with respect to employment, mm-hmm. which of course, Lior always talks about on his show, which is that if your employer fires you while you're disabled, they are potentially breaching the human rights code. And and again, you know, when when you go to that website, mydisabilityquestions.com, you'll see my full response. And I urge people out there, if you have questions about your disability, about your injury, go ahead and ask them. Uh, it, it can be anonymous. The website doesn't request uh, any, any information that identifies who you are. Uh, and, and you'll simply get a response from me literally within minutes.
0: And, and so much relief can be had from just answering that question, never mind before they start talking to you about well, the absolutely. situation.
1: Right? And, and, John, a lot of people don't want to contact uh, contact lawyers for, for whatever reason. Uh, they've had a bad experience. Their neighbors have a bad experience, uh, you know, preconceived notions. So here you go. Go on this website. Uh, just like Lior has uh, terminationquestions.com. You bet. Uh, same thing here, mydisabilityquestions.com. You put your question in. Uh, you don't have to put in your name or your number or anything. you just click enter it gets uh, gets posted. I get it literally on my phone and I can answer it from wherever Beautiful. I am yeah what else you got all right so this one is interesting I, I was going to talk to you about um a, a disability case but then earlier this week uh i I got a call from a, from a gentleman uh, who was uh, in in a car accident on mm-hmm. august first two thousand and uh and, and fourteen so almost two years ago, this August, it's going to be two years. This gentleman has been a regular listener. He decided to call because uh, he's heard me talk a lot about you know how long claims should take and uh, non-responsiveness of lawyers, uh, red flags to identify with your disability claim, etc. So he calls me up, and uh, I went to see him in his home. Uh, very, very pleasant gentleman. He was in a car accident in August of 2014. Mm-hmm. He's uh, a, a machinist, so he operates heavy machinery. Uh, he's been earning around $55,000, $60,000 okay. for the last uh, few years. He's been working in that position, by the way, for the last 26 to 27 years. Okay, so this is a gentleman that's been a hard-working man, supporting his family, has a nice house in Brampton, etc. But since the accident, which, by the way, was not his fault, he hasn't been able to work. Uh, in fact, he tried to go to work twice, and twice the, uh, the employer said, Look, you're not well enough. We'll keep the position open for now. Go ahead and, and try and get better. So, of course, as we discussed before, with car accidents, when it's not your fault and you're injured, you have two types of claims. One claim is with your own insurance company. It's called accident benefits. And the other claim is with the other driver's insurance company, the one that was at fault. Well, it seems like uh, this gentleman that I visited uh, had hired uh, a, a, a law firm that said, no, we don't deal with accident benefits. We only deal with the other claim. And they left him to basically be on his own and deal with his own insurance company who, by the way, cut him off income replacement benefits. These are the benefits that are supposed to, 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 to replace your income while you are disabled. Uh, they cut him off last October. And, of course, he calls them up and says to his lawyer, well, what am I supposed to do? And they say, well, we're not retained uh, to, 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 to deal with that part no. of the claim. So you're on your own. No, no offer of assistance, nothing. And nice. He, th- th- you know, this, th- this man has been now accessing his RSPs, uh, He's, oh. he's, he's uh, using his visa. He's concerned about selling his home. Uh, it, it's absolutely insane. And, and get this, John. Remember how I always say that when you have a serious injury like that and a serious claim, you start the claim against the at-fault party as soon as mm-hmm. possible? Absolutely. Well, it seems like the other lawyers, allegedly, only started the claim a week or two ago. So we're talking about close to the two-year mark. Why? Why? This person has been injured, has been getting treatments, has been trying to get back on his feet, hasn't been able to go back to work for almost two years. Why? Why, you lawyer, are you waiting? I mean, totally. you're getting paid for this. Right. So, again, we're going to be taking over the claim. We're going to put it back on track very quickly. I assure them of that. But, you know, very, very nice gentleman. And you could could see that he's in pain as I was sitting across from him. So, again, for people out there, uh, I'm not advocating that you switch lawyers. I'm just advocating that you know your case. You know what's going on with your case. You make sure you're in constant communication. Stay on top of your Which, by the way, was another issue here because he's leaving messages upon messages for his lawyer and he's getting nothing back. No one is contacting back, which is a huge no-no in our office.
0: We'll take a short break. We'll get into the injury calculator, give you details on that. In the meantime, the number to get a hold of Savannah anytime, 416-216-5910. An email, which we'll get to a few throughout the show, is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. This is the insurance... And Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM 640. The Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM 640. Savant's number, 416-216-5910. Keep that on you in your car. So you know what you should keep? You should keep right beside your insurance and your ownership in your car in the glove box. Absolutely. Good place to put exactly. that number, right? And help at the theinsurancelawyer.ca is the email.
1: Uh, let's talk about this, uh, injurycalculator.ca. You love this tool. I absolutely love it, and I get a lot of submissions every day from it. And what is it? It's, it's a free website, an anonymous website, that allows you, if you've been in an accident or even if you haven't been in an accident, you know someone who's been in an accident and was injured through no fault of their own, to go in input a few key pieces of information such as the accident date, the type of injury that you suffered, uh, uh, your age, etc. It literally takes you 20, 30 seconds to run through this thing. And, and by the way, you're not entering your name no. or your number. It's or your email. It's anonymous. So you're putting all this information and what happens is, the program then goes uh, and searches through its databases and presents to you a range a dollar value range that you could be entitled to for your pain and suffering if you if you initiated a claim right. assuming of course you're within the 2 year limitation period for starting these claims and uh, you know these numbers we talked about before they're not something that we simply created out of uh, thin air uh, my team went through uh, a lot of databases throughout Canada and looked at a lot of a lot of cases and, and examine circumstances uh, where people of certain ages were injured and suffered certain certain injuries, and and so th- they 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 took all that information, and and that's what the program does. It searches for similar type information. Right and then outputs to you on the screen the range of value that you could be looking at. But again, it's only for pain and suffering, which is really important to understand.
0: And we reiterate uh, every show when we talk
1: about this, that can often be the smallest component of your compensation. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, you can have an e injury that's valued at, let's say, $60,000 for that particular injury, but because of that injury, you may not be able to work, uh, potentially losing tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not more, uh, into the future. So you can have a claim where your pain and suffering damages are five figures and your income loss damages are Mm -hmm. easily in the six figures, maybe even more, it it depends. So very important to understand. The problem is that we can't create a calculator for that. Right. Because that's too, specific. too many factors. It's yeah. Too many mm-hmm. factors for di- for injuries. We can do that. In fact, you know, if you go to the great uh, law library at Osgood Hall here in Toronto and, uh, in, in, you know, you can actually pick up books uh, that some lawyers have termed meat charts where yeah. you literally have an index and you can see cases by body part. You know, uh, leg, uh, foot, nose, tooth, it's wild, eh? well, it, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah it, but of course now with with um, the advent of the internet and and, and uh, online uh, databases, we, we we can now do this electronically. And what we've done in our program is we've brought this out to the public. So nice. now the public has access for it.
0: Well, you touched on it earlier in the first segment. So let's get through some questions uh, in accordance with long-term disability. So you've, you've often talked about it, that it's not difficult to reserve long-term disability disputes. And when they're resolved... Uh, Did your client generally get a check for lump sum, here you go, have a nice day, or, or do they continue getting monthly payments
1: over time? It can be either or. And I say that because when somebody is on long-term disability and you initiate a claim against the insurance company, either for a denial of long-term disability or a cutoff, the person has been cut off disability, if you initiate a claim and there is a settlement discussion that then ensues with the insurance company – sometimes there is an option. The person can opt, if the insurance company, of course, plays, plays ball with this, yeah. uh, uh, y- 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 you can opt to get retroactive pay. So what does that mean? It means that if you were cut off August 1st of last year and you settle today, well, then you get uh, payment retroactive from August 1st from your cutoff date gotcha. until today, and then you get reinstated. So now you get a monthly benefit on an ongoing basis. So that's one way to settle the case. Another way to settle the case... Is for you and the insurance company to say, you know what? Yes, we want the retroactive pay, but we don't necessarily want to continue this relationship, this antagonizing relationship that we have with you, the insurance company. Get in, get out. Get in, get out. (laughs) And by the way, the insurance company is also interested in somehow uh, cutting off the bleeding. They don't want to have to pay you until you're 65 or whatever the policy says. So they may say to you, John, instead of paying you until 65, we're going to pay you the retroactive pay that we owe you. Plus, let's say another 10 years, 5 years, 4 years, 18 years, whatever, at worth of income at once. Nice. And, and that's very important to understand that you are taking a discount on future payment, but that's money that you get right now. Right. And of course, for the insurance company, that's great because on, in, in the long term, they don't have to pay you a lot more than they would have had to pay you sure. now that they're paying you a lump sum.
0: These, uh, these benefits, these payments, taxable? I know it sounds like a stupid that, question. That's an
1: excellent either. question because it comes up in every case. Yeah. Generally speaking, here's what happens. Uh, If you yourself contributed to the plan or if you paid for the disability plan while you're working, then when you are in a position where you have to access, i.e. get those benefits, get them paid to you, you do not pay tax on them because you had paid for the plan in the first place. If your employer so through work or something, you, correct? Okay. Yeah, but, but yeah. if you're the one, like if 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 uh, you know f- from your salary, uh, there, there was a certain payment that was deducted yep, every for month. For sure. So at that point, no, you do not get taxed on that. But if you uh, if you did not pay for that, if your employer was the one paying for the, the benefit, uh, th- then your benefits are going to get taxed. Okay. So, so so that you know, if you apply for LTD next year. And you start getting, I don't know, fifteen hundred, two thousand, three thousand dollars a month. You're going to be paying uh, tax off of that. Okay. You've
0: often talked about, you know, the terms objective versus subjective medical conditions. What's the difference between the two, and why, why is that important?
1: You know, it's an interesting um, um, uh, it's an interesting question because this is where. Uh, there's a lot of fighting between insurance companies and doctors and defense lawyers and plaintiff lawyers. What do we mean by objective? Objective essentially means that you can't dispute it. It's objective. It's not up to me telling you that my back hurts. It's that I can show you an MRI that shows you that I have a disc herniation or or I've broken a vertebrae. That's objective. You can actually see it on an image or you can see it on a ultrasound, something like that. Subjective means... You can't necessarily see it. It doesn't mean, by the way, that there are no tests to verify right. from an objective standpoint that it's there. But, you know, if I have a headache and I go through an MRI machine, it doesn't mean the MRI is going to show that I have something wrong with me. Well, it's a subjective complaint, right? I am in a car accident. I have whiplash. My neck hurts. You won't necessarily see anything in the imaging that we have nowadays, uh, ultrasound, X-ray, MRI, CD scan, uh, but it's still hurting me. That's my complaint. And, and, you know, generally speaking, insurance companies are more suspicious of subjective complaints because they're going to say, well, prove it. Would mental disabilities fall under that banner too? Uh, yes, it yeah. would. Uh, it's it. Yes, it would because because I- if there is no organic basis, meaning that there is no uh, you know you can't see on an MRI that there is a problem with, with anxiety brain. or something. It, exactly right. <laughs> right yeah. yeah, they're going to say no. It's a subjective type of complaint that you're anxious or you're depressed, if gotcha. you post-traumatic stress disorder. You know, because we can't really gauge. We can't see that there's something broken.
0: We'll uh, get you an email as soon as we come back and continue our discussion and questions on long-term disability. The number to get a hold of is 416-216-5910 and help at ca. This is the Insurance and Injury Law Show right here Talk Radio AM 640. The Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio AM 640, 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. That's the email. That's what Jerry used. He uh, writes in from Belleville, says, I've been on long-term disability since August of 2014, and I've been told by my adjuster that they will cut me off this coming August. That's the two-year mark. Do I need to
1: wait until I am cut off to make an appointment to speak to you, or should we talk right now? No, we should talk right now, Jerry, and I've had that happen. You know, I've had a few weeks ago a case. I'm not going to go into the details. I actually think I spoke about it uh, uh, a short while back on one of the shows, uh, but, but it was a case where the insurance company, was asking for more medical documents, even though my client had provided everything they wanted from specialists. And they said, no, unless we have X, Y, and Z, we're going to cut you off. So they hadn't cut her off yet. But she was able to get us involved just before the cutoff, and we had communicated with the adjuster. And we said, this is really simple. Here are all the medical documents. There is no question that this lady Mm -hmm. is disabled. Uh, you're going to be facing two choices. If you cut her off, you're going to get a claim on your desk the following day, and then you're going to have to refer to a lawyer, and you're going to have to pay. There's no question about that. Or you continue her benefits. You continue your, quote-unquote, investigation into the file as to mm-hmm. whether or not she's entitled to it. Uh, and, and you know, everything is great. You can take your time so long as you are paying her, okay, because she's in financial distress otherwise. And, of course, we get an email back. I think it was the Monday morning... Um, Eight thirty in the morning. Uh, y- yeah, we've decided not to cut her off pending our investigation. Oh, have you? Fantastic. Our <laughs> client was, of course, you know, extremely happy. That doesn't mean she's not going to get cut off in the future. Mm-hmm. But oftentimes, Jerry, we're able to avoid the cut off because once we get into the picture, they understand that that poker game that they're playing with you that you know, we're going to cut Jerry off and 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 so therefore he's going to go away and we're going to save all this money. Well, now there is a disability lawyer in the picture. Yeah. He's not going to go away. If anything, it's going to cost us more money. They're not doing this out of emotion. It's not because they don't like you that they're cutting you off. It's because business. for them it's business. It's They're saving yep. money. And oftentimes people either don't do anything about the denial or they go through the useless appeals process that we talked about before. So Jerry, get in touch with me. Uh, we'll get into the picture. There is a strong likelihood they will not cut you off, but if they do, they'll get a claim on their desk the following morning.
0: Uh, Jerry, that number, 416-216-5910, our discussion on long-term disability. So how important, I mean, this is probably a basic question, but how, in, uh, how important is it
1: uh, to have a supportive doctor to, for a long-term disability case? It, it's It's very important because really that's the ammunition that we are using to shoot down any arguments that the insurer has that the person is not disabled from working. And generally speaking, we look at uh, family doctors, specialists, etc. So for a family doctor, as an example, most people have family doctors or some kind of a doctor, maybe at a walking clinic that knows them or has known them for many years. And that person is, is suited and is in, 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 in a very good position to be able to provide a letter or a report right. that outlines, here's how the person was the, the patient was before the disability and how they are now. Here are the efforts I've seen this person make to try and mitigate uh, their, their disability, meaning to try and get better. So having a family doctor that's supportive is very important. It doesn't mean that if you don't have one, you have no case. It's just that you do need some kind of medical support or proof, someone objective, to use that term from the last segment, who's going to say, look, in my medical opinion, this person is unable to go back to work at the present time for the following reasons.
0: Do all uh, long-term disability uh, policies either expire or go to 65?
1: No, uh, there's different kinds. Some of them are for five years, 10 years. 65 is what we generally see. Some of them, by the way, are beyond 65. Mm -hmm. It really depends. That's why it's so important to examine the policy and to figure out what does the policy say, how does the definition of the disability change, uh, what are they entitled to deduct from the payments, etc., etc.? So uh, when
0: someone comes to you after they've been cut off long term and you know d- disability or denied altogether and you say, you
1: know what, we can help you. We'll get this going. How does that process go? What's the, what's the plan of attack really? Love that question. I love that question because I get that question obviously all the time. Yep. As soon as I speak with the person and tell them they have a case, they say, okay, what's next? Uh, which is exactly what they should be asking. Uh, so, so first of all, we identify all the medical people that could support our client's disability claim. Family doctors, specialists, physiotherapists, social workers, wh- whatnot. Whoever it is that we think can support the case, uh, we identify them, and of course we get their records. We perhaps we may talk to them. We may get reports from them. Again, we want to make sure these are current reports. You know, somebody may call me up and say the insurance company cut me off because I haven't provided ongoing proof of disability, you know, but two years ago, I gave him a letter from my doctor, and the doctor said yeah. I was disabled, you know, what do they want from me? Well, it, that was two years ago. an update? <laughs> yeah, an update, exactly. It, it, it's, it's important to provide current records, uh, especially, by the way, from people who've been treating you for several years, because they can attest to uh, the progress. Uh, have you plateaued? Have you gotten worse, better, right. etc.? Uh, we then immediately file a claim against the insurance company, and we ask for what's called a declaration that the benefits should be reinstated and that our client should be getting retroactive pay. So we talked about that again earlier in the show. Uh, We are asking essentially uh, this type of relief. We're asking for a court to declare that the insurance company is wrong here. Remember how I said uh, on, on many shows actually that you know, this idea that you can't take on the insurance company, it, it's a false notion. It's the idea of the David and Goliath example, you know. And, and, of course, I keep saying, you know, who won that fight with David and Goliath? Okay, it wasn't Goliath. Insurance companies are bound by the law. So in order to bring them to their knees on a particular claim, we have to file this document with the court. Right. But the reality is that almost none of these cases ever see a court. And they don't because the insurance company wants to settle the case before you even get close to the courthouse. Court costs money. It, it costs them a lot of money. Yep. they got to hire their lawyers, and you know, they know they're going to end up paying. So it's extremely rare to go to court. But that said, we have to, of course, file that document that says, here's the situation with our client. Here's why you, court, need to order that the insurance company has to reinstate benefits.
0: We'll take a quick break. Get to another email. The email address, if you want to send one in, is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Savan's number anytime, 416 216 5910. The insurance and injury law show continues on Talk Radio, May 640. Savan's number, simple, 416 216 5910, and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. That is an email. Melanie writes in from Toronto Says, Savan, my sister has been suffering from bipolar mood disorder and severe anxiety. I've been communicating with her insurance adjuster, who is quite rude and is always threatening to cut her off long-term disability payments. Uh, I don't have the strength anymore to deal with her. Uh, what will happen if I ask to have another adjuster assigned to my sister's claim? What will that, will that
1: affect her claim? Hi, Melanie. Uh, the, the The answer to your question is that you know you're entitled to ask for someone else. You, you have there is absolutely no reason why you or your sister have to deal with somebody who's rude, who's obnoxious, who's unprofessional. Uh, that said why are you dealing with it? Why is she dealing with it? Whether it's me or another disability lawyer, you should have a disability lawyer dealing with this for you. And there are two reasons for that. Number one, you wouldn't have this aggravation because you're not the one communicating with this terrible person. Uh, let me deal with this suggester. Let's see if she's rude to me. Trust me when I tell you that she's within... Two minutes of speaking with me, less than that, her tone is going to change completely, and it's going to change completely because I know exactly what her options are, and I know exactly what's in her toolbox Mm -hmm. or the toolbox of the insurance company, and and it's not difficult. And when you know, when I was dealing with insurance companies, when I was defending them, I never understood, uh, you know, why why some of my colleagues would be so aggressive. I mean, I you know, I have a lot of defense friends, friends who work for the insurance companies, and and they're good people, but. For whatever reason, when they when they defend insurance companies, and a- and you know they're questioning claimants and, and they go through the claims process, they feel the need to sometimes be overly aggressive. It's unnecessary. Mm. The facts are what they are. Uh, you know, you don't have to be rude. So so, so Melanie, what I suggest is this: uh, g- give me a call or email me after the show. Uh, let's sit down. I'll come by. I'll speak with you with you and your sister. I'll explain everything. Uh, you know, if, if you want me to represent her, if she wants me to represent her, by all means, we can do that. We Rating, uh, yeah. But, you know, you're not going to have to deal with that. A- and and also, there is less of a likelihood that her claim will be affected in a bad way. In other words, by me being in the picture, by our team being in the picture, you could actually p- potentially avoid a potential cutoff in the future. Nice. right? Because, you know, as soon as they see that you are getting really tired and, and it's wearing down on you, then, you know, they know they've done their job and they know that it's prime time to cut you off because you won't fight back. Right. It's that simple. They know you're
0: weak, and it's you know David and Goliath, like you said. They know,
1: Absolutely. And and again, I'm not going to paint all of them in the, with the same brush, but I've seen this so much that, unfortunately, that's how they play the game. And yes, they see this as a game. It's exactly what it is. It's an economic game for them.
0: 416-216-5910 is that number, Melanie. Uh, Dennis from Richmond Hill says, I was in a car accident about five months ago, and my car was a total write-off. I've been doing physio for about six weeks and seeing my family doctor from my back and neck pains. <clears throat> I've slowly started to get back at work but I can only work about half the hours. The accident wasn't my fault. My paralegal is saying that she'll refer me to a lawyer for my quote-unquote tort case before my two-year limitation period.
1: What does all this mean? All right, so this is the legal lingo that we use um, you know, to, to delineate between the two types of claims that we spoke about before when you're in a car accident. So, Dennis, he, here's how it works. You're in a car accident. It's not your fault. You're injured. You have difficulty working. You need rehab, etc., your insurance company has to pay you certain benefits, whether that's income replacement benefits, whether that's attendant care, whether you know wh- wh- whether it's it's rehab, you know, paying the clinic that you're going mm-hmm. to for physio, massage, chiropractic, etc. But you could potentially also have a claim against the at-fault driver, so that person's insurance company is now engaged as well. Here's what's happening here. This is, I'm, I'm getting that from the email. Y- your, your accident benefits claim, the claim with your own insurance company, is being handled by a paralegal. A paralegal can handle uh, an accident benefits claim, and there's nothing wrong with that. Okay. I've said before that there's a lot of paralegals out there that are much better and know a lot more than some of the lawyers that, that I've come across. <laughs> right. uh, so nothing wrong with that. But the paralegal is not allowed to deal with the tort claim. The tort claim is that claim against the other driver's insurance company that's when you need a lawyer to deal with it. And what this paralegal is essentially saying is that before the two-year limitation period expires, remember, in Ontario, every time you're injured, you have two years to start a claim for compensation. So what she's saying, or he's saying, is that uh, she's saying that uh, before the two years are up, she's going to refer you to a lawyer, you're going to have a discussion with that lawyer, the lawyer's going to decide if he or she wants to take on your case. But again, the fundamental flaw in this analysis is that... This assumes that you have to wait for the two years, right? I I always say that, you know, with with serious claims, particularly a a claim like yours where for five months now you've had difficulty going back to work and now, you know, you're basically working half the hours. So so, there is a huge loss that that is crystallizing on a daily basis. You should not be waiting the two years. Get on it. Yeah, your your tort claim, the claim against, against the other driver's insurance company should start ASAP so so you know my 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 concern is that there is this delay that is completely unnecessary and I see this a lot and part of it stems from the fact that your claim is essentially going to be handled by two different offices. Yeah. One is the paralegal office. One is the other lawyer's office. Not a fan. I- I'm not a fan of it because it's disjointed. It's not connected. There is no harmony between the claims. In our office, everything happens uh, you know, together. I mean, we work beside each other. We have a team approach. Everyone is responsible for one aspect of the claim. We have uh, uh, regular meetings. Everything is in-house, so to speak. So, you know, Dennis, if you have any other questions, feel free to call me, but- my concern is that you're going to wait for two years, you know. Don't 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 miss the limitation period. But I I don't think you need to wait those two years yeah. or, or even another month. I mean, I think that your your just from your email, your injuries are severe enough that you can start that claim now.
0: Dennis's email kind of kickstarted the topic of car accidents, so we're going to get into that after a short break. Uh, Savannah's number, by the way, four one six two one six fifty nine ten. And the email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. The Insurance and Injury Law Show. This is it on Talk Radio, AM 640. Savannah's number for the Insurance and Injury Law Show, or any time for that matter, 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Let's get on this question. It's always a big one around your office because there's so many of us on the road. That is car accidents. So I'll ask you this. Why is it important for a person injured in an accident to go to the doctor or hospital soon, soon after the accident?
1: Well, you know because you the, might not be in pain y- right no? exactly so so the answer really has has two components the first one is irrespective of the legal rights you may have and how this affects your potential legal case in the future you should go and get checked out because you never know you never know what damage was done i mean I, i've come across clients uh, who only 2 3 days after the accident start feeling the pain because the shock was just so severe and maybe there's a family member that was in the car that was injured and so so the, so the, the parent uh, was not aware of their own injury. No. So, so anyways, you have to, you know, you, you want to make sure that you are checked out. You want to make sure that everything is okay. Because of course, if you did injure yourself, whether it's some kind of a whiplash or a tear or a fracture or something, that you know, it gets fixed asap. But the second reason is from a, a legal standpoint, and and that's important to understand. When you submit a claim for compensation, it's not going to happen a day after the accident. It's going to be, I'm talking about the tort claims, the claim you know, against the, the other driver. Drivers Insurance Company. Mm-hmm. You're talking about a few months down the road, a year down the road, in some cases, like we just spoke about, two years down the road. What do insurance companies do when they get a claim like that on, on their desk? They ask immediately for your medical records. Yep. They ask you to produce them. Why? They want to see that there is a medical trail. Okay. If you are in an accident, I don't know, let's say uh, March 1st, 2016. You don't start a claim until March 1st, 2017. They ask for your family doctor's records or hospital records or whatnot, and they see that the first time you, you sought medical advice was eight months down the road. What does that tell them? What does that tell you, John? You know, it, it's simply inconceivable that if you were really injured because of the accident, you yeah. would have waited eight months. Okay? It just doesn't happen. Uh, so immediately they're going to be suspicious. So, of course, the longer... You, you have that gap, the longer the gap is between the accident and and the first time you went to seek some kind of medical help, uh, th- the more difficult it is to show that there is a connection you that bet. that there is a, a causation right that the right. accident caused the injury, especially when you're dealing in cases where you have a small tear you know you have i, I I've, I've had cases in the past where you know you have someone who uh, uh was predisposed to a shoulder injury because their shoulder was already bad from before, uh, but there was nothing really majorly wrong with her. It was just painful before, you know, they had some arthritis, let's say.
0: Some old football injury something, or something. Yeah.
1: exactly. And then they were in an accident, and, and then they waited, uh, let's say, four months before going to the doctor because it got really, really bad. And then, you know, four months after that, they got an MRI. So by the time the MRI shows a tear in the shoulder, you're eight months post. And this person is 62 years old. So, of course, the insurance company comes back and says, well, wait a second, this person is older. You know, they're active around their garden. Who's mm-hmm. to say yeah, that it's, did, the yeah, it's the accident that caused the tear? Who's to, not to totally. say that it you know, just happened uh, yesterday at the, you know, when, when they were, I don't know, uh, plucking their carrots or Pulling something? Pulling
0: groceries out of the trunk or something, Exactly. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. so you
1: want to make sure that you create that medical trail. A- and, of course, by the same token, you want to make sure that if there are certain recommendations that are made uh, by, by the doctors, whether it's at the ER or whether it's your family doctor or walk in, that you go ahead and do what the doctors say. You yep. follow the recommendations because again, those create a medical trail in and on in and, and of themselves. Okay, very well, important.
0: Well that goes to the next question. So what exactly should the person tell the doctor after an accident about their injuries? Absolutely especially everything. Especially if you're feeling like, yeah, I don't feel right. a whole lot
1: but that's a phenomenal question. It's a, it's a great question because uh, oftentimes when somebody, uh, after an accident, whether it's a slip and fall or, or a car accident, whatnot, they go to the doctor. The doctor says, well, what's bothering you? You know, y- you know the doctor's busy. You know that they have 55 other patients to see in the next yeah. hour. So what do you do? You select the one or two major injuries or pains that you have, and that's all you tell the doctor. Same thing with the ER if you're at the hospital. And, 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 so, and so what happens is, you know, you, you, you don't mention other parts of the body that potentially were injured. And here's why that's a problem. Because if you have a claim for compensation down the road, let's say a year or two later, you may be asked, you know, right after the accident, what parts of your body did you complain about? And maybe at that point, you know, let's take the shoulder, for example. Let's say I banged up my knee and I hurt my shoulder, but the knee really, really hurt. So I told the doctor about my knee. And they found out that I I chipped my knee. And, of course, Mm -hmm. all the treatment was focused on the knee. But really, I did some damage to my shoulder, too. It's just that I wasn't focused on the shoulder. And, of course, the MRI eight months later shows a small tear to my shoulder. But because I didn't mention the shoulder right after, I was focused on the knee, insurance company is saying, okay, well, we can see how the accident caused the knee injury, but we can't see how the accident caused the shoulder injury. No history of this one. No history. So if you are involved in an accident, any accident, and you are providing the history uh, of how the accident happened and what injuries you suffered and what parts of your body were injured, go from head to toe. I'm not saying talk about the little pinky if you know it's it's yeah. a, it's it's, a, it's it's you know a little bit sensitive because of the uh, the injury. I'm talking about you know if you have a pain in your neck, uh, uh, headaches. Uh, I don't know you you are bruised uh, where where you know your stomach area, your sternum is because of the seatbelt. Make sure you mention everything. Now you will be dealing will be with a bit of
0: adrenaline, possibly a little bit of shock, so you just got to give it some time, right? Give
1: it some time, and keep in mind, I mean, again, you're just going to the doctor right after the accident. It doesn't mean that you're not going to follow up with the doctor a week later, two weeks later.
0: Then that's still okay.
1: It's absolutely okay. What's not, it's not that it's not okay, it's it's that what's more problematic is is that, you know, have somebody, like I said, with a shoulder or you have a hip injury, and and the first time you see a notation is a year after the accident. You can't connect the dots. I mean, you yep. know, if somebody came to you and you're the insurance adjuster, what are you going to say about that? You're going to say, well, you know, connect the dots for me. I can see you complain about the shoulder. I can't see you said anything about the hip for a year. Yeah. And now you're saying it's because of the accident? Give me a break. And that's a problem. So I understand how insurance companies are suspicious of these kinds of claims. Uh, so, so, you know, just keep that in mind when you're in an accident and you go and get mm-hmm. uh, medical help or uh, you get checked out. Mention everything everything because that's going to get recorded and that's going to help you down the road when you seek compensation
0: we'll continue the car accident discussion the number to get a hold of Savan uh, during the break 416-216-5910 and help at the insurancelawyer.ca the insurance and injury loss show is right here on talk radio AM 640 Savan's number is 416-216-5910 and help at the insurancelawyer.ca if you're going to send us an email uh, we we're talking about car accidents so I'll ask this one as well if the uh, doctor recommends a course of physiotherapy recommended by the doctor or physio guy says uh can the injured person say, yeah, you know what, I'm good. Can they refuse? Or should they refuse it? I guess this is a more important question. Well,
1: that, those are two very separate questions, right. uh, very different questions. So can you refuse? Of course you can refuse. Should you refuse? Uh, not advisable. First of all, if the doctor's recommending it, I would follow what the doctor's saying. Okay, that's just me. Uh, just for your own health, follow what the doctor is saying. Uh, if, um, if If you refuse, that's going to come up later on as well. Uh, d- d- during the uh, the claims process, when the other side is going to say "Well, wait a second they 're going to ask you straight out, did you uh follow all of the doctor 's recommendations right. and they're they 're going to go through them, and when you say no they 're going to ask you to explain why not now here 's the reality it doesn 't matter what your belief is about uh, uh, massage and chiropractic and physiotherapy and all that it doesn 't matter what you think about alternative types of medicine it 's irrelevant what 's relevant is have you done everything you could?" To mitigate your injuries and your damages, meaning, have you done everything you could, uh, that the insurance company believes you could, to lessen your injuries, to get better? And if you say, no, I chose not to do physio, I chose not to do massage, I, ch- I essentially chose to ignore what my doctor is saying, that's going to work against you. Right. It doesn't matter what your beliefs are on this on this point. What what matters is how it's going to affect your case. So I'm just giving it to you, uh, you know, s- straight up so, so that there is no confusion. I'm not saying that uh, uh, refusing the recommendation is a wrong thing. Maybe the doctor is recommending a certain type of medication uh, that that, you know, affects you in a very bad way. Well, then explain why it is you can't take that medication and ask for a substitute. Uh, my point is that if you don't follow doctor's recommendations and that comes out down the road during your claim, it's going to affect your claim in a bad way. Right. That's just the reality. It's just the way the way these claims are. So what are the insurance companies looking at when they uh, <coughs> assess an injury claim? Like how do they know how much money to pay? Uh, they, so, so first of all, they obviously look at uh, the type of injuries we're dealing with. Uh, they're looking at the effects of those injuries. Oftentimes when I'm dealing on a case, let's say in a car accident, and I, I have, actually I have one right now. There wasn't a car accident. It was a slip and fall and, and this gentleman uh, uh, broke his ankle pretty badly. Uh, you know, it, when I was communicating with the lawyers for the insurance company, I said, you know, I said, this is an objective injury, okay? He fractured his ankle. He's got nine screws and a plate <laughs> in his ankle. You're it's not going to dispute that. It's there. Yeah. I'm going to put it on a nice overhead so you can see it. So so really, the issue is not was he injured. It's not even the severity of the injury. It's the effect of the injury On on day-to-day function, on his ability to work, to go back to certain types of jobs that he was doing, uh, to the certain things that he was doing at home. So insurance companies try to assess the impact of the injury on daily life, on work. And how do they do that? Well, of course, they assess the injury itself. They try and figure out Mm -hmm. what is the injury. Uh, They try and figure out if you're going to get better or not, right? Whether the issue is going to be chronic. Are you going to have chronic pain there into the future or not? Uh, They look at the medical trail, we spoke about that. They look at to see who you've seen, what specialists you were referred to. Uh, is there going to be more treatment in the future? Is this gentleman going to have the plate uh, and the screws taken out? What does that mean? Is he going to have to work less down the road? Uh, so, you know, they look, they look at all that. They look at the age. They look at family circumstances. They look at all that. And, and in their minds, and it could be just the adjuster, it could be a committee at the insurance company, they assess the potential value of the claim So they think to themselves, what do we think would happen if this case went to court? We're sure it's not going to go to court. But if it went to court, how much would we be ordered to pay out? And what happens is they take that amount... And they cut put it on side <laughs> <laughs> well that's what I always say. I, say. I say that they put in, you know they, 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 they cut it more than half but, yeah. they, but it doesn't matter. you know the, 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 the reality is that they take that money and they put it aside it 's called a reserve. Mm-hmm. so literally when you have a claim out it 's a legitimate claim you 're not at fault, somebody else caused the injury they, the insurance company you're dealing with, despite the fact that they're saying and they're yelling and they're screaming we 're not going to pay you anything they've actually already put aside a certain amount of money to resolve your claim. My job as your lawyer is to maximize that amount. Right. And there are certain techniques that I can utilize to make them maximize. They're never going to tell me that they're increasing their reserves, but I know what effects because I know as, having done defense in the past, worked for insurance companies, I know how you know, when certain lawyers did certain things, it would affect my assessment of the case and I would tell my client to reserve accordingly. I would literally write a report every time I got new medical information, new income loss documentation, et cetera. I I would report that to my client by email, by letter, whatnot. Mm -hmm. And I tell my client, the adjuster, here's how much I think you need to reserve for pain and suffering. Here's how much I think Mm -hmm. you need to reserve for income loss. Here's how much I need to do. and, and, And then I would say, what's the total? So, you know, for all of you out there who think that these insurance companies, you know, will not pay anything because it's a David and Goliath story, well, here's a surprise for you. For almost every claim that's out there, they have already put money aside. They're just not telling you. They put money aside as a reserve to pay out.
0: Well, you brought it up. So what are some tips for increasing settlements amount?
1: Well, the tips are, uh, believe it or not, uh, quite uh, common sense. So, first of all, you make sure you create that medical trail. You make sure that you do follow doctors' recommendations. You make sure that uh, you know you, you, you gather as many witnesses as you can to, to help out. And what does that mean? It means that, for example, if you have coworkers who've worked with you for I don't know ten years and the accident happened two years ago. You know, talk to a few of them. See if they'd be willing to just uh, jot uh, a quick email uh, to, to, to your lawyer who's representing you. Just say, listen, I've, I've known Bob for X amount of years. Uh, I've known him before the accident and after the accident, and I can tell you his work has been significantly affected because of so-and-so. By having these kinds of witnesses, by having this medical trail, by being truthful and honest and proactive about your case, you are maximizing the dollar value of mm-hmm. your case. Uh, because the insurance company is seeing essentially uh, the, the entire uh, case coming together you see a case is like a puzzle as the lawyer as your lawyer my job is to put the pieces in place if you can help me putting those pieces in place we can build a picture we can create an image for the insurance company to see right. if they see an image of somebody who's not injured because we're lacking all these key pieces then the reserve is going to be gonna uh, very low it's going to be you know it's 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 going to be reserved accordingly but if you create a picture of someone who's really severely injured, assuming the person is severely injured, that you know the injury has affected that person's livelihood, affected their family, et cetera, if you present all that in the proper way, then, then you know you can you can get uh, and you can get an appropriate settlement. I mean, it's it's just that, that simple.
0: A lot of information this session, this show. You want more information? Simple to get. Call Savannah anytime 416-216-5910. and email anytime as well. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. If you haven't checked it out, go to www.injurycalculator.ca, and that's a very handy tool if you haven't seen it before. Until next time, this has been the Insurance and Injury Law Show Talk Radio I AM six forty.